And here we are, one of the UK's finest, Miss Levi Stephen. How are you doing? You're right. Hey, how are you doing? You're right. <laughs> good words out. Good start. I'm good. Thanks for you. Starting strong. I'm very well. I'm very well. So, quite a few of your teammates were competing on cage rules at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Cartwright and um, Miller. Initial <laughs> initial thoughts on that? I mean, to be honest, when I watched it, I was a little bit drunk. So, <laughs> I wasn't really taking everything in. And then I watched it again <clears throat> the next day. And I knew obviously it was bad anyway, like from, from what I watched the, mm. the night before, but I just thought it was insane how everything was just going. Like, I was like, is this actually real? I was thinking, have I fell asleep when I was drunk? And like, now I've imagined that this has happened. And, um, but to be honest, I, I just, I didn't think that Jack looked normal, you know, like I, I didn't mm. think he was on his, his um, how he usually is, but still I genuinely do think that, like he said in his, his Facebook post, that like he was doing the damaging shots on the feet, you know, all that guy was doing. I think how, how MMA scored now is slightly different, isn't it? Like you need to be, once you've got the takedown, you need to do something with it instead of just like lying guard. Mm. Um, and obviously the only damaging shots that, that Miller did was was the headbutts. <laughs> and, you know, on the, on the first one, like I said, I put it on my Facebook post was that, all right, fair enough, you know, things can happen like that. You could accidentally headbutt and, you know, you get a warning and whatever. And then the second time it happened, I was like, this is a bit dodgy. And he got it. Was it, is his point taken on the second headbutt or was it the mm. third? I think um, first was a warning, second was a point, third was another point, I think. And then Rich said after that, didn't he, like, one more and you'll get disqualified. But then he'd done it again and he didn't DQ him. And then on the fourth time he did DQ him. So I was just like, I don't really know what's going on. But, um, yeah, it's, it's quite sad. I was a bit disappointed because obviously Jack should be in the UFC. And I thought this fight, you know, would definitely secure him going over there. And it looks like now that they want them to, to rematch. But in my opinion, if he's cheated, he shouldn't even get a rematch. It's not like he accidentally eye poked him or, you know, something like that. You think, oh shit, you know, we'll, we'll do it again. Mm. It's, you know, he, he deliberately headbutted him five times, four times, well, however many times it was. Um, so I don't think he deserves the title shot again, to be, in my personal opinion. Well, 100%, because this is where, obviously, like, accidental eye pokes, these things happen again, a bit of a slip of the glove sort of a weird sort of frame position again those things can happen but with the the headbutts it was really strange because almost the way you put your weight over your ground and pound seemed to be where that headbutt was coming from but even then like you know if it's causing a headbutt you need to change something there regardless so um, i think as as well like i was i was thinking about this i was thinking like i i liked i i would like to do commentary you know later on in my career and or get involved in mma you know in the um, kind of like what Dominic Cruz was like break down things and stuff and I was just thinking about it like if I was a non-biased person like if I didn't know Jack and really thinking about it if you throw if you're trying to get some talk on your ground and pound you usually take your head off the center line because if you if you think about like you don't um sorry my alarm's going off tell me to get up that's not good <laughs> um when you you kind of like salute so you'd like turn and hit or turn and hit to bring the elbow down mm. you would never throw you wouldn't throw your head into a shot like that it's, it's always you'd come off the center line so if he's saying that he's throwing an elbow and his head at the same time to get some weight down into it i honestly think that's a little shit to be honest because nobody throws a shot like that like he's and people you know like they say it's not cheating until you get caught is it like yeah. that's that's what a lot of people say and he's probably trying to get away with it um but in my opinion he, he knew exactly what he was doing and i don't think the language barrier made a difference either you know you don't headbutt. It's, it's one of the yeah. it's one of the main rules. You don't headbutt, and you don't knee people in the head. But at the moment, everybody's kneeing people in the head on the floor and poking eyes out. It's twenty twenty one's crazy already. 
I mean, there's a few things in that as well, because similar things, again, what you're saying there with the ground and pound, like we said about coming off centre, but what um, similar to how you throw elbows and that sort of pro level on the ground and pound is you sort of frame to make some space and then collapse and sort of drop the elbow. And yeah. this is almost what was happening with the headbutt. It's going to sort of framing up and then dropping with the headbutt. Because albeit one with the ground and pound is one thing, but again, framing a little bit to sort of get these little headbutts in. Because yeah. as much as they seem quite trivial, not necessarily fight ending, a cut from that is enough to stop a fight. That's and it. it. That's the difference. That's, champion. that's, that's not even just a championship. Again, this is sounds very flippant. If Jack lost the belt due to a cut, that's him out of the championship question. Is that him out of the UFC conversation, albeit for a fight or two, but still his career, still his livelihood. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's it. And I think it's it's a really hard decision, especially for referees these days, because like you say, there was another fight on, not it was last night, I think it was, with Liam Gittins when, when he got mm. stopped straight away. It's like, there's got to be a fine line between stopping early and stopping it too late. And I think that's really hard for a ref. You know, I wouldn't want to be a ref 100% because... It's, it's people's lives that you're almost ruining because, like you say, if you're a five and one or a five and zero guy and you're in you're in the cage warriors and you're coming up and you're a prospect and all of a sudden you've got a TKO loss on your record, people look at that. People are really petty and be like, you know, you got finished in this last fight, but then they don't go and watch it. So it's it's quite a it's, it's a hard situation. But I think it's to be honest, I think uh, Jack's had a hard ride with with cage warriors because I think he's the only guy to ever like keep holding a belt this long and not get the call up. Like Jack Shaw, um, albeit he he's really good, like he defended it, was it once or twice, and then he got the call mm. straight away. Um, and Jack continually finishes people. Like I think Jack Shaw's had some some um, decisions as well. And same with Nathaniel Wood. Yeah, he was finishing people, but he's not doing these one-shot knockouts the way Jack did. And he's he's not got the call up. So I just feel like it's it's a bit tight, but you know, we'll see where we'll see where that goes through. I mean, again, it's hard to appreciate whilst it's all going on, but in retrospect, we'll see how his career in the UFC goes later on. It might be the right decision, might not be. Because again, like, prime example, Reese McKee got the call not too long ago and then he got hams at a week's notice. So, yeah. so again, you don't know gift horse in the mouth, I guess, to an extent. Like, you know, get careful what you wish for. Yeah, but, that's true. But I think, like, say, Jack, I think Jack deserves to actually be signed and not, you know, jump in on the last last minute thing. You know, he's a, he's a world champion at the end of the day and he's, he's done a lot, you know, won the belt, knocking two people you know out in the same night in under like three minutes was it <laughs> you know and then continue to send it from there so but at least he gets to keep the belt now that's that's good that's one thing 100 and again where you get his sort of showing as well-roundedness but anyway this conversation isn't necessarily about him it's about you this is what yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> see i go off on a tangent sometimes with things and that I'm passionate about. <laughs> no, it's good though. Again, there's something in that I liked a lot, how you're being aware of the sort of commentary, again, the idiosyncrasies, and again, the bigger picture with this. When you're yeah. having your own fights, are you thinking about how the refs are going to score certain things, how things are going on? Or are you just in the in the minds of the fight as its own thing? Yeah, um, I think as my, my career went along with with um, with my amateur career, obviously, I, I started to realise that it's not just about, you know, going out there, being aggressive, trying to find the finish. You need to win those little bits in between. And I think that's what I wasn't doing. So I was always trying to find like the big shots or like a big takedown and, and, and keep them there. And um, obviously it worked because I've got four, you know, TKOs on my record. Mm. But um, as my as my career went along, like I'm starting to really understand now, especially watching so much and going to corner people as well, like with my coach Matt, um, really understanding what the refs looking for and what the judges are looking for. And um, <clears throat> I think that only comes with like time. You know, you I don't think you're this amazing like um, MMA fighter to start off with. You, that's why you have your amateur career to kind of, you know, <clears throat> develop those 
those things that you need to need to do. And I think this last year and a bit, you know, that we haven't been competing, um, I've learned so much, like just through training myself, like um, my progress in the gym, my progression, sorry, in the gym, and my understanding has grown like tenfold. So I am quite excited to uh, to get back in there and, and see what I can do, really. Because with that, I like there's a lot more of the awareness. Because as much as you have your own biases and your own sort of preferences, we get so wrapped up in our own sort of, this is how I do certain things. But again, if you've got that neutral kind of, like a matter of fact, this is how I see fights being scored. This is what needs to be done from fighter A to beat fighter B. Not even, yeah. this is what I always do sort of thing. I like how you've got that kind of separate perspective on it, especially with Matt as well, that kind of, again, the, the dream team there. Now, yeah. regards of getting more out of your, being more coachable and understanding more, what is sort of, I don't know, giving you that kick to really push that side of things have you always been quite coachable and always been one to sort of soak up the knowledge yeah um because like ever since like a, a really young age I've always been involved in sport like I've always understood and it's funny because I was I was looking at some of I was trying to find a photo and we've got loads of stuff like that my mum saved from when I was a kid and I was just reading reports from when I was younger and I've always been very very like sport minded like even from a very young age um and all the reports always say like Levi really understands you know um, the rules within a sport and the fact that she knows how to play it well and everything that I did I just took on really well and I think it's just like that type of physical like athleticism as just I've just taken it with me like you know I'm very uh, I'm a visual learner so Matt will show something and like right I'll get it and we'll go off from there like there's no point of you explaining to me what I need to do I need to see it um, and that's what Matt's really good at as well like obviously you spoke to him before like the way he coaches is very alive like we really get hands-on with our with our training and I think as well, like um, being a coach, because I, I coach as well, like obviously when the, when the gym is open, I coach the beginners kickboxing, <clears throat> excuse me, and also the, the kids as well and and uh, female jujitsu classes. So like like again with that, like the more you do with that, the more obviously you, you take on yourself. And I think as a coach, you need to be quite coachable too. So you can adapt your your coaching style and, and obviously pass on the, um, you know, the, the information from there. I like, again, there's, there's so much in that. I don't think you realise how good most of the stuff you're saying there is. But one thing I want to go into is being a very visual person, very visual learner, do you give a lot of, I don't know, time to visualising your fights and visualising what's going on in the same kind of vein? Yeah, like, it, sometimes it's it's really annoying because it's the only thing I ever think about. <laughs> like, I would literally say I'm, I'm watching, like, last night I was watching, um, you know, obviously the main event, and I'm watching it, but then all of a sudden, like, I'm, I'm kind of glazed over because I'm thinking about what I would be doing in that mm. situation or I'm thinking about what the judges would have scored at that point and thinking like what he's, you know, like say when Vichenik was against the fence and he's really trying to like work off, but how calm he was staying and, and things like that. And I always like put myself into that position and kind of think about what I would, what I would do from there. And um, it's a little, yeah, it's a little bit of a burden sometimes because I'm always like drowning out, you know, to, I could be watching TV or my mum could be talking to me and then she's like, did you hear that? And I'm like, oh, and then I'm actually thinking about MMA, which is sounds sad, but it literally is the only thing that I think about. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's having that kind of understanding and that kind of passion. Because when people say that sort of thing, again, as much as you're saying it's a bit sad, you wouldn't change that for the world. Let's be honest. Let's not pretend like, oh, you're embarrassed about it. <laughs> no, I'm not really. And it's, um, it's just one of those things that you, you know, and it makes me make it, it kind of comforts me thinking this is what I want to do. You know, like some people like I'm not, I don't know how to explain it, like, they like the idea of fighting and they like the idea of winning, but they don't think about everything in between. Like it's not their only thing that they think about. And um, it really is like, 
I could be, you know, watching, like say, watching Cage Warriors. I watch all MMA. Like it don't matter what it is. You know, if it's on TV, I'll be watching it. If it's on Fight Pass, you know, I'll be I'll be putting it on and, and tuning in. And um, UFC as well, obviously. And just thinking about the, because I had a sports psychologist um, for a while. I don't, I don't have him now, but I am a sports psychologist for a while after I lost a decision um, in one of the IMAF championships. And it was just everything, like the visualisation that I do now. Like I always visualise, because I, I do want to fight on cage warriors. I've been very, very, very open about it um, in like other interviews and Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. And I always imagine like the walkout, you know, getting the grease on, like getting into the cage, because I've been in the cage warriors cage before. And um, I just feel like super comfortable, you know, with that whole process. So that's why like, I, I really do want to get on there because I feel like I've already done it you know, a million times over in my head and it'd just be so comfortable to step in there again. I mean, Cage was certainly during mine as well. And to have that kind of, again, it's a weird thing to sort of explain to people, but having the feel of the cage itself, having the smell, having all that kind of walkthrough, that must make the pro realisation so much more like, okay, this is actually, you know, this is, this is here. This isn't yeah. too far away. That must be so exciting. Yeah, and it's, it is because I think that the fight that I had um, in Birmingham, it was an amateur fight, but it was it was like my fifth fight or something. I can't remember what it was. And um, it was the full-size cage, obviously, in Cage Warriors. It was Cage Warriors, like, 1-8-something. Mm. 108 or something like that. I can't remember. And, um, yeah, you don't forget that. You don't you don't forget, like, the feeling of the cage, like, the way it bounces, the, the weight of the, you know, the fence behind you, like, the lights, how it feels, how cold it is, and, and things like that, and um, backstage and everything like that. So you went, when you've experienced it, I think that's really good because you – you can kind of take that with you like those experiences stay with you and I think that's the point of having like an extensive amateur career is to already get the nerves out you know understand the walkouts understand you've got to be waiting around understand that you might be on sooner than you actually think so you've got to be ready you know you can take that into your pro career so that's the stuff that I'm hanging on to at the moment because it's been so long since I've had a fight because I I used to fight like looking at my topology it was like every three months you know sometimes mm. two months um and obviously a lot of fights, you know, got cancelled as well. So that's another massive hurdle that gets put in there. But it's all part of it and it's it's all really exciting. So I can't wait to to carry on, you know, where, where I left from. Well, where there's a few things where this get quite interesting is the frequency, then the time off and that time back on. And then how you then, I don't know, implement what you've now learned and how your new mindset as such. Because again, from each fight, you mature to a certain extent. Again, you have to answer a lot of questions in that, in the preparation point. So with... How will your next camp compare to your previous one, do you reckon, with regards to things being different? I feel like, and this is going to be like super cliche because everyone during lockdown is probably going to say this, but like I think that this last year has been like a massive training camp for me because obviously I've been lucky enough to be able to train and I feel like it's, I've not been, this This is a really good thing for me because, yeah, it's amazing that I, you know, I fought every, every couple of months and that's great, but I think you do need some time in between to actually progress. And I think that's what was happening was I was I was almost winning by instinct, like not necessarily that I was progressing. I think I was, you know, from the last couple of fights, like I've got a TKO then, like, and then I'm going out, I'm just going to finish her and I'm going out, I'm just going to finish her. That's what that's what was just in my head. Like I've just got to go out, I've got to be aggressive, I've got to finish it. But that doesn't always work. And then I thought to myself, I need some time to work on my game. What is it that I want to do when I go out there? Like, I don't want to just do it out, you know, on a limb. You know, I, I want to actually not have a game plan, but have some like, you know, when you, you have, say, for example, just going back to Jack, because it's the only person I can think of at the moment, you know, he's going to knock you, you know, he wants to knock you out mm. and there's no 
way you can stop it. You, you, you're still going to try and do it. I want people to almost think that about me, but I still want to be an all-rounded fighter. Like I want them to go, oh, you know, really panic about me. Like, oh, she really wants to do a body kick. She does a body kick loads, but then next minute I take them down and, and I, you know, I, I do something else. So um, I just wanted to develop that IQ. And that's what I've done. I've been working obviously with Matt Inman, you know, clear as day how good of a coach he is, you know, everything that he's, like he's done for our fighters. Um, but also Abdul Chowdhury, um, he was there cornering as well, uh, Manny Akpan over the weekend. And he's a really excellent box, like boxing coach and he's really worked on my footwork and just my general IQ. Like, yeah, it's good at throwing. Like I was saying this the other day, I was speaking to, I think it was my dad, I was saying like anyone can throw a punch, like anyone can hit hard. You know, if you hit someone hard enough, you're going to knock them out. Like if it's on the right, um, you know, part of the, the face or the head. But it's actually being able to get in there, hit and move back out without getting hit. Like that's what I'm trying to do is work on being able to fight so efficiently and not get hit or not be taken down or you know that's what I've been working on and, and even in sparring you know one of my main training partners uh, is Jake Bond who signed Skate Cage Warriors as well mm. he's got like really good wrestling good striking and um, I wrestle with him I wrestle with Abdul I wrestle with these you know really really good strong guys and I'm holding my own you know I'm, I'm taking them down or I'm not getting taken down and you know six months ago well eight you know, 10 months ago, I was taken down all the time. I was, it was super easy to, well, not super easy, but I didn't have that level of fighting IQ to, to stop them taking me down. Whereas now I'm, I'm proving very difficult to take down and, and my offense and defense is getting so much better. So that's, that's the way I've been um, figuring out how good I'm progressing. Cause obviously I've not had a fight to, to figure that out, like how good I've been doing, but I've been, you know, measuring my progress on how good, my sparring has been, you know, how good my wall rounds have been. I'm not being kept on the wall anymore. That was, you know, no secret. I did get in some of my fights pinned against the wall and they were just trying to keep me there because obviously my striking. Um, but now I'm not. So it's like, I can't wait to show that in a fight. Like, take me against the wall. I'm going to get off and then it's going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to punish you for that after that. So it's um, it's quite exciting, actually. Uh, I am I am excited to, to see, you know, how much this is, is going to translate into an actual fight. Now, again, there's so much in that. Where do we even start? <laughs> the thing I love is the awareness. Because again, when you have like fight ending power or some sort of part of your game, it's so clear as day. Okay, I don't know. I don't need to be told this is going to happen. This is what's going to happen. Like the yeah. same with them, Cartwright, for example, with the, <laughs> the knockout power. You're like, okay, but the awareness that that's not enough and also building around it. Because again, you get the whole... The cliche days of striker versus grappler kind of things. Yeah. You see it almost with um Clocky T and um Mike Figler, that sort of thing. But again, having that more well-rounded sort of style of that, it's okay. Yes, I can knock you out whenever I want. You know that, but have fun trying to take me down. Have fun if you get me down, what's gonna happen then? And so on and so forth. It's the layers of your ability. And on top of that, anyway, it's just exciting having that kind of I don't know the understanding separate to you in itself. You see what I mean? Because it's we want to articulate the fact you're analysis and understanding of what is important what's going to get scored versus yeah. what you're developing versus how you're going to do it and again the urgency because you'll see a lot of people for anyone who's not familiar with this is when you see for grappling competitions you'll see rule set change you'll see styles change you'll see people prioritize certain things and it, the whole thing evolves as a result of that and yeah. seeing, seeing your awareness and seeing your development in general i guess it's really fucking exciting like have you got an event roughly you're going to come back for in time I mean, I've, I don't know, um, obviously Matt's my manager at the moment. So, you know, he's looking for fights and it just seems like there's, there's nothing, like nobody's really looking for 
a flyweight, you know, um, debut. I don't know what it is. Obviously, they, obviously, COVID's making it a massive challenge. Um, there's not that many promotions that are putting on big fights. Obviously, that are doing the testing and stuff because I'm assuming that's you know a big thing that that has to happen. Um, but I'm I was ready, you know, last year. I'm, I'm obviously happy that I've had this opportunity to keep on training and keep on progressing. But um, I kind of want June June time would be nice to, to come back because. I'm a little bit heavier at the moment. I'm kind of, that's another thing that I've done as well is like I've filled out into like a flyweight frame. Like I used to come in, you know, weigh in and then the next day I'd be the same weight. I, I wouldn't barely put any weight back on. And, um, you know, because I was quite a small, I had a, I had a decent like size frame. Like I had a flyweight frame, but I wasn't feeling it. Whereas now I am, I'm walking around a lot heavier. Um, not saying I want to cut loads of weight because I hate cutting weight anyway, but that's just one of those things that I thought I need to build, you know, my strength conditioning, put some muscle on as well. Um, and that's, that's, that's showing, you know, that that's working as well because I'm a lot stronger in training. I'm not getting like, you know, dragged around and, and out muscled. Like I'm still able to keep up with these guys. And um, so I would need, you know, not loads of time, but I would need a couple of weeks to, to get my weight back down. And I've got a good nutritionist as well, Beth Packman. So um, she knows what she's doing, you know, I'm in good hands, but I wouldn't, want to get like you know next week you, you need to fly out somewhere and I don't want to cut loads of weight in, in one go especially for a pro debut like I'm being really smart about things <clears throat> I don't want to you know jeopardize my pro career by going oh because I, I will I do want to fight like I you know it's I hate when people are forced into taking last minute fights to show that they're not a pussy like oh I need a full camp I, nobody has a camp in at SBG we, we train every single day like there's not like Nobody goes, oh, I'm not coming in for a month until I get a fight and then I'll do an eight-week camp. Like, everybody's training every single day. Like, like it is like they've got a fight next week. So it's it's not like a, you know, need loads of time to get ready. It's just obviously the, the weight thing. Um, but yeah, June would be June would be a really good time. Like, I'm, I'm 24. I, I put in, I wrote in my diary years ago that I want to have a pro win before I'm 25. And I'm 25 in August. So I want to, I want to get it done. <laughs> Before I'm 25. In the words of the great Charles Sonnen, was it camps are for kids? And I'm a man, I train every every day of my, was it every day of my life or something like that. But, but again, I think it's horse of a course. Is some people, you, you get the annoying people who get fat, come back, they train, they look phenomenal, and then they just go back to getting fat again. I don't know how they get away with it. That's their yeah. business. They can crack on doing that. Yeah. That's their career limited. <laughs> with um your camp for this, so say, I don't know, Battlerina in July or whatever event you want to choose. How does your pro fight camp per se change to your standard AMI camp? Because I can't help the tendency, especially with the way you're articulating things, you're understanding it. It's, it seems like there's a temptation to overcomplicate things and again, put all the stress on it to try and make it so much yeah. refined. Like, what's your sort of mindset with that kind of thing? It's, I think it's, it's exactly the same. It's just being more aware of what tools you can use and what to, well, not even necessarily what tools you can use, what's going to come back at you. So like, when I've been in, in positions in wrestling or when we're against the cage or whatever, I'm thinking, right, I can't be stupid and duck down for, you know, for your leg because you're going to knee me in, in the face. Like we don't do that. We don't knee each other in the head or elbow in sparring, obviously, because it's dangerous, but we do, you know, if we're in the clinch, like they'll show that the elbows, yeah, no. they'll put it on your head or whatever, um, or go to, to knee you in the, in the face and things like that. That's, that's the, the only slight change, but I'm not overcomplicating that because I think what you see especially on pro debut, it's like they want to throw so many elbows and they'll start going crazy with elbows and, and it's like not hitting where it's supposed to hit and hitting forearms and things like that. 
um, just not overcomplicating it, you know, getting the five minute rounds in, making sure that you can go for that long. I, I actually prefer the five minute rounds because, you know, it's no secret as well. Like it takes me a little bit to, to kind of, unless one of my fights I did come out and just whack her and take her down and, and you know, TKO her in, in like the first minute or something. But I do like to take my time a little bit and, get, you know, get going. And I think those five minute rounds help, you know, you can pace yourself a little bit more. So although it's like, oh my God, it's two minutes extra, but you've, you've also got two minutes extra to work, you know, get your, get your range and getting um, switch on, you know, you've, you've got more time to work. So that's the only thing that's changed is the fact that the, in fact, when I was amateur, we still actually did five minute rounds. Like Matt would put five minute rounds on sometimes like three minute rounds and then obviously five minute rounds just to, to annoy us, <laughs> to make us work a little bit more. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's not, that's, that's the only thing really that's changed because everything else is, is the same. Like we all, all of the amateurs and all of the pros, we kind of, we all do work professionally. Like we all train professionally. It's not, you know, we don't come in one day and train and then don't come in for another week and a half and then train. It's, you know, it's consistent. And that's, that's the main thing I think is just being consistent with your training. Jake Cross, the guy who runs Empire Grappling and a few other events, he's got 10 for that. And I love it. And it's some professional amateurs like yourself, <laughs> people who are classed as amateur, but you see your schedule compared to a pro you tell me the difference and this is sort of this is the point this is what the amateur career is for and i like how a way you answer that question i think better than you might realize how well you've answered that that again i've sort of saying about the temptation to overcomplicate things the temptation to add all these bells and whistles because it's a new platform everything else but again it's you already know what you need to do this pro is being produced where you're already being produced yeah. and again it's just reminding okay this is the modifications to make but carry on as normal because it sounds very much oh shit, I need to do everything else. I need to make sure I'm not eating anything that casts a shadow, all this sort of stuff. But again, to have a bit more okay. I think I think Matt Evans got maybe a bit of an idea how to make me pro. Maybe I think I think he's got just I'll go on a hunch. I think he knows what he's on about. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. And that's it. He's you know, he's obviously got the formula because he's you know, he's had however many fights he's had at a professional level and all these different people that he's coaching through, you know, world title as well you know, really good prospects like Manny Akpan at the weekend, you see what big finish. Big, big finish. <laughs> crazy, crazy finish. But that's that's the thing. Like we're we're not it does show us that at SBG, like we're not just one sided fighters. You know, like um it's not we're not strikers or we're not just grapplers or we're not, you know, we we do everything and everyone like I had so many people message me like, wow, where did that come from with Manny? And I'm like, that that's what he does. Like, you know, he does that in training. He does that that's that's his style. He's not you know, we might come out and try and take it down or he might, like he did, weirdly pull guard. <laughs> but, um, you know, we've all got different ways of, of putting you away. And that's what, you know, Jack said in his post-fight interview, get all these SBG Manchester guys on the cards because we've all we've all got these, you know, unique fighting styles and different ways to finish fights. You know, we're trying to be not, not different. Like I, I always say, I want to be entertaining. Like I want people to go, oh, like Levi's fighting next and you don't know how she's going to win. That's that's what I want to be, you know, a mixed martial artist, not um, you know, one-rounded fighter, a one one-sided fighter, like you know, with one with one actual thing that you do. And um, but that's it. Like I think in all of my other fights as well, you know, from from start to finish is like I don't do the same thing in each fight. Like if my first fight was against a grappler, and obviously I kept it standing because I wasn't really. She was a purple belt, I think, and I think I only just got my blue belt, so I was quite fresh in, in grappling. Um, and then I was like, right, well, I'm obviously not going to let it go to the floor. I'm just going to keep it standing. So it's like working things like that. And then my next fight was slightly different. Next fight slightly different. So mm. it's, and then all of a sudden I was getting massive double legs and, you know, and dropping people 
in uh, in fights so it's like shit they can wrestle as well so I think that's the perfect balance is being able to just do everything and kind of surprise on it like um, Piotr Jan perfect example he can knock you out he'll take you down he'll sub you he'll do you know his mint wrestling and that's that's someone who I wouldn't want to fight if I was a, a bantamweight male <laughs> for sure especially if you're on one knee and you know he's not going to hold any mercy exactly <laughs> But again, there's a, there's a lot in this I want to go into a bit more. And again, what you're saying now has a lot of weight because, again, the perspective of what you've been through, what you want to go to, again, the understanding of the bigger picture, that you aren't, quote-unquote, SBG fighter, you're your own person. And again, you're not going to be one-size-fits-all. This isn't, see me, expect this. No, it's developing. There's going to be scenarios. I'm going to adapt to that scenario. And yeah. the, te- the temptation for a lot of people is, okay, I've done A, A worked. I don't need B or C. Let's not worry about even D. And again, yeah. it's having that bigger perspective. And when it came to starting your amateur career, was pro always in the in the vision in the sort of at some point? Yeah, I think, like I said, from a young age, like I've always I knew I would be a professional in in some form of like sport. I just didn't know at the time. And it's it's kind of like you know trial and error with these different things. You know, I was a footballer for a long time, a pretty good one as well. Um, could have definitely been been a professional footballer but obviously that's you know that ship sailed but it's it's almost like everything happens for a reason like I've always been I grew up with two brothers and we've always been like fighting and messing about and that's kind of not prepared me to be a fighter because that's just sounds silly but the fact that I've had to you know get that toughness about me and the the, the fact that I have to you know fighting my two older brothers and you know stupid little fights in the street when I was a kid and, and things like that you know thinking that you, you're really tough when you're about 11 and then I really <laughs> yeah I was nice. and then I used to watch boxing a lot I used to watch you know MMA like EFC you know the South African one was always on my TV like Freeview um and it was something that I always wanted to do and I remember this is this is quite a funny story because my my uncle was like always a really annoying character and he always just like annoy me like my brother my my mum's brother and then um, one day he was annoying me and I just hit him and I was only I was like 12 and I just like chinned him and he was like really shocked and then he said to my mum he was like you should go and take her <laughs> somewhere like you should put her at like boxing or something like this and that kind of stuck with me for a while and I was like oh, you know I probably would like to do that I could and as a as growing up like I said I was very aware of like how my body works like I could throw punches I could kick I could, you know, do all these different things. I did gymnastics as well. So I was always wanting to do something um, with my body. And then obviously once I found MMA, I was like, right, this is what I want to do. You know, this is this is definitely what I want to do. And as soon as I had like my first amateur fight, I was like, I want to, you know, this is what I want to do for as long as my body, you know, will let you. I won't say the rest of my life because obviously that's not mm. possible. Um, and yeah, just, just go throughout the amateur career. And that, you know, pro was definitely always there. Um, but the, there was one thing that I've been speaking about recently, especially to my brother, is that people, yeah, you, you're supposed to take your, your pro, your pro um, career very seriously. But you'll, when you hear a lot of people, like when they're having a pro debut, or they have one fight saying Cade Rose and they go, I'm coming for that belt. And you think, okay, like that's cool. Like that's what it's good to have like a, a, you know, an end goal. But that's all you're focusing on. You know, you need to get through these other fights. You need to, you know, earn that, that shot. And I think, people are way too hung up on getting a belt straight away that they're not even understanding the need to progress and they need to get these fights out of the way. So I'm, like I said, going back to what I was saying before, I'm, I'm going to take it you know, very seriously, but take my time with it. I don't need to 
to rush and call out for belts or anything. I just think it sounds stupid, to be honest. That's what I want, but mm. let it come, yeah. I mean, this is always that sort of catch-22 sort of thing that you don't ask, you don't get, but also you want to earn your place there. Like, again, if you were offered, like, a Cage Warriors title tomorrow, you would be like, oh, no, I'm going to wait. You think... Yeah, like, you would obviously... <laughs> you would sniff it too much, would you? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, I probably would say no, obviously, at this this point, because I've not even had a pro, pro fight yet. Yeah. I can't even call myself a pro fighter without a pro fight. But it's like you say, it's just being intelligent with with what, you, what you're asking for. Like, he wouldn't, like, you know, uh, Christian Leroy Duncan at the weekend before, mm. and he was saying that his, his career so far has been an apprenticeship, and now he's, you know, he's on the job properly now. And that's, that's how I see it, is that you just need to keep paddling along and then prove, you know, what you can do. And then, you know, obviously scream for a title shot. <laughs> now, what did you think to that stoppage out of interest? I've had mixed opinions, like to hear yours on that. I think, yeah, I, I understand because it's like you can't stay, even if you're not hurt, you can't stay in a position for that long and take that many shots to the, especially to the to the temples, because you see that a lot, you know, with elbows, mm. like when people are a single leg and they're getting hit, hit, and it's only one away from them, obviously collapsing to the floor and being knocked out. And I think it was the, the sheer force of him being knocked down with the knee. And then quite early in the careers, I don't think, you know, the referees want these guys to end up with, you know, significant brain damage, taking knees like that. And then, you know, especially those shots that he was doing was like hammer fist, but also like the knuckles was hitting him on the, mm. the temples as well. So it's like, it could, if he, he should have just let go of the of the leg and then even gone back to his guard or something like that. Like, although it was a bad position, but at least it shows he's still there instead of, you know, people have been knocked out and still stayed on the leg. So I kind of understand why, why why you jumped in on that and I also don't think they should rematch I feel like it's just so early in, in the careers that they don't need to start rematching people at this point you know let them go off progress and then and then come back again if, if they want it it's just I think it just holds people up when you, you've got to focus now on the same guy and then you know they're, they're not furthering their uh the progression in, in the in the promotion but you know what do I know I'm not <laughs> I'm not a matchmaker or a you know professional judge so no, but like the way you sort of explain that as well, especially when it comes to rematches, because that sort of ego, there's no real point of that. If it was controversial in the sense of like a an eye poke, something unintentional ended the fight, where there's some sort of ambiguity. But again, it's yes, people say we'll have that double leg and carry it on and be fine. But where do you finish a takedown if Chris if Christian left it? Because again, what was happening there was, which I didn't even realize till Jack Mason flagged it, was as much as Will was recovering, that double leg wouldn't have been finished if the fight hadn't been stopped. Yeah. You see literally Christian put his arms up his one, then he gets taken down. And then they yeah. shout and why have you stopped he's got a double leg saying, Well, he doesn't. Yeah. We don't know because obviously it got stopped, but at the same time, like I said, this ref referee's job is so hard. Like if he carried on and next minute Christian's dropped a massive elbow on his on his temple and he's knocked out cold for five minutes, everyone would be like, Why didn't he jump in? Mm. And it's like you can't it's it's super hard on these on these referees because they like you say they've got this massive responsibility it's like do I give him brain damage or do I make him upset but he goes on forgets about it and he comes back again and he you know he gets back on his win win streak I obviously wouldn't want to every every fight is the same we all go like oh I'd rather die than you know get an easy early stoppage but no you wouldn't <laughs> no, no, no you wouldn't <laughs> especially like you say that because it wasn't for anything like yeah two prospects i understand that but it wasn't it's not like it was for the belt and give them a chance you know to get back up to the feet because this is a massive life-changing thing you know we'll be back he's not hurt he'll dust himself off and he'll he'll come back again so it'll be interesting to see what he does 
goes next. Now, with with that, as a last little sort of soundbite to sort of leave it on, if you can complain, it's a good thing. It means you're in a position where you're able to. Full stop. You you crack on complain as much as you like. It means you're able to. It means you've got your health. Yeah. Like you, if you didn't have your health, you know, maybe have a word with Dan overhead through whatever device you need to use at that point. But, you know. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> um, so, regards of yourself, and I don't know. One thing with this is when you've been training something for so such a long amount of time, you realize how much stuff you actually do now versus what you started with. Again, like trimming the fat as a way I sort of articulate this. What does a fight cam look like now, opposed to what it used to look like? What sort of things have you cut out? You felt weren't really um. They tend to convert a lot. The more so, other little things like I've just been thinking about my overall body as well so when I when I was when I obviously my first amateur fights and things like that is I wasn't really recovering properly as well so I was kind of training coming on thinking oh my god my back's killing me this is killing me blah 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 and then complaining about that and then the next day I can't throw a head kick properly because my hips are sore and I kind of tackled that like it's the little things like I say the the training camp has always been very professional like the the way everything's set out Matt's very very you know regimental with what we're doing you know he plans all his sessions in advance everything's tailored towards you know wrestling for MMA jiu-jitsu for MMA you know striking for MMA that's all fine that doesn't really change but um like I said it's my me personally is, is what has changed so I've got a physiotherapist now you know um I've got a strength and conditioning coach and all those things make a massive difference like it's although I do, I do like strength conditioning twice a week um at the time obviously when everything was open I was seeing my physio every week and he was like tuning, obviously, on my back, on my muscles, legs and everything. And that makes such a massive difference because you think you could train as hard as you want today, but then the next day you can't get out of bed because you're absolutely wrecked. You've, you've missed a day of training. So that's that's what I noticed was my, you know, my worst thing was that I wasn't feeling right for training the next day. And obviously the strength and conditioning goes hand in hand with that because obviously you training, it's not, my strength and conditioning coach doesn't just go like, right, you're squatting, 100 kilo today and you're doing this you're doing a jump and all this stuff he focused on all the little stuff as well so like obviously my rotator cuffs you know all these different things my abs like core trunk because that's all the little things that get injured and then I can't so for example wrestling and you're getting overextended you know the little muscles in your shoulders although you might be able to military press you know 60 kg but then you can't can do like little small movements with a dumbbell it's those little things that are going to be able to you know keep you wrestling um so that's a massive thing so now like when i'm when i'm wrestling when people are sprawling on me i'm not in pain anymore because i'm strong enough to suck the leg back in and get out to the other side or whatever um so that's basically what i've changed is my physical ability so obviously my, my recovery and like my strength because i love that that saying that they say in jiu-jitsu like it's um it's for the small person you know you don't need to be strong but if skills are matched yeah. you do be strong like you fucking you do need to be strong like I could go with say one of the 70 kilo lads I'm like 63 at the moment and um it might be really say he's not even as good say he's a white belt but if he's strong as hell he's going to give my he's going to make my life difficult I'm a female I'm not a man like a you know that's there's a massive difference between that so me getting physically stronger has helped me tenfold throughout you know my wrestling jiu-jitsu punch power you know things like that so um that's the main thing. Although it took me 10 minutes to explain that I could have just said strength and conditioning. <laughs> no, but that's the point. That, that's exactly the point though. If you say strength and conditioning, that could be anything. 
Yeah. And and the the reason it would benefit you could be anything. The fact you've said the specific instances, and that's why it's important. This is what the question is about. And this is why I'm glad you answered the way you did. And now when it comes to strength and conditioning in that format, is it just the collective sessions in themselves that make the biggest difference? Are you doing like prehab rehab? like pre and post training what's your yeah, so he's really good um he's he's it's called matt leah so he's total sports rehab and um it's good because he's also a physio so he's been i think it's like 15 years or 18 years i can't remember to exactly but he does obviously strength conditioning but physiotherapy at the same time so he knows what you'd be injuring and how to stop that from happening and then also exactly what you're using in this strength and conditioning you know session so it'll do a lot of like obviously the big lifts like deadlift you know squat pressing but also the accessory stuff as well in between that strengthens everything else and and he knows like you know punch your power use a lot of your trunk you use your shoulders your traps knowing you know what needs to be strong so i I hate when you see you know strength and conditioning where they're just like getting you to squat all the time and you think well yeah squats obviously really good you know um like good power obviously pressing and things but it's the little things in between that's made an absolute massive difference because like I said, you could be as strong as hell, but as soon as a little, you know, the, the little supportive muscles get injured, you, you're not going to be able to, to do everything. And you'll see that like, you know, big power lifters and they'll go, Oh, like my, my pecs torn because my fucking whatever in my shoulders imbalance. So that's what I don't want to do. Cause before that I was getting sprawled and then the bits of my back was hurting like my rib. I had an injury where the guy basically said like my rib, has come away from my back like at the at the back and um I did fight with that as well like my back was all strapped up like I've got pictures of like all these different tapes across my back like pulling my fucking rib back in and um it's funny because I didn't wrestle for like three weeks four weeks leading up to the fight and then I won by taking her down <laughs> and then I got a TKO on the floor so it's, it's just quite funny but yeah I'd never want to do that again I'd have to be like strapped up and ever since then you know touch wood I've been injury free so far, so it's working. It's a more gaffer tape than a May fire at that point, but again, it's. <laughs> but I feel those sort of experiences are what gives you that understanding as to where the value comes from. Because again, even before training, you know full well that oh, I guess if you do strength training, you get, won't get as injured. But that only means so much. But again, having gone through your experiences, again, the wear and tear of training, full stop, jujitsu, MMA, wrestling, all that kind of stuff, the grind. Like yeah. people say it almost in the terminology, oh, it's just training. No, it's the literal grind in your joints as well. It's everything. But again, the longevity. There's, there's a lot in this. And when it comes to consistency, routine's a huge thing. Are you one for routine in regards of the same warm-up every time you train, same warm-up every time you compete? Is it, are you that sort of thing you want for that kind of routine? Yeah, um, I do agree with routine, but also at the same time, MMA is super weird and you might not replicate that, you know, at the at the venue and, and things like that. And I feel like you've got to be very open-minded with MMA because, you know, I've luckily in my amateur career, I've had so many different experiences with where I'm warming up and where I actually am. So like, you know, I've gone from literally being in like this little room behind a bar in a, in a venue where it's stunk of like onions and hot dogs being made in the kitchen. And then being in like this big room in cage warriors or being in a massive room at IMAF, you know, in Bahrain, you know, in this five-star hotel. So it's like, everything's different, but it's it's like what my sports um, psychologist said, you just got to control the controllables, control what you can do. So I try and do that. So obviously when I go to the gym, I have my own, like before, I, I always get there early. Like I'm there 
if training starts at 10, I'm there at 20 past nine. And I'm like, I've got my, um, you know, foam rollers, my resistance bands, you know, getting everything warmed up, opening up my hips with like, you know, lacrosse balls and things like that. And then we do a standard warm up, but that's just to kind of get the, the heart rate up. It's, it's, it's more like your responsibility to, to get what you need sorted out because one size doesn't fit all really with a, with a warm up, does it? You know, you might have some injuries and, you know, little niggles here, there and everywhere. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of, I take that into my own, you know, responsibility. Like my routine is, is already set um, and you just, yeah, you just try and replicate that wherever you go. It's going to be different, you know, every time. So routine is good, but you've got to take responsibility for that, I think. I like that a lot. And again, there's a few of these gems. I don't think you realise the bottom the knowledge bombs are dropping. And it's, it's the taking responsibility for what you need to do. Like, albeit in the warm-up, make sure your injuries are covered. But again, your progression is you. Yeah. You can only help yourself progress. And it's a bit of pill swallow for a lot of people that they think just show up and you'll get better. No. no that's it, just, that's a minimum. It's very much you, isn't it? You know, and there's been times like I'm, I'm definitely not perfect, you know, there's been times where I've been absolutely knackered in bed and I'm like, I have to get up and wrestle now and things like that. And it's, it's really hard and, you know, nobody's perfect. Sometimes you do need to, you know, take that, that day off or whatever, but you've got to get back on it straight away. You can't, like, like you said before, these people who go, I'm going to have a few months off, I'm going to get fat and I'm going to come back in. And that's on your head, you know. Mm. This, one, this happened uh, not last week, the week before was, my mum went out and the, the gas man came and it was before I was going to the gym. And I was like, shit, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be late or I'm not going to end up making it there. And then he was here for a while, but then when he left, I had like 20 minutes to get, you know, get ready and get to the gym. And I could have easily went, oh, you know, I'll go tomorrow. Like I'm not going to have time, but I got in there and you, it's that sense of accomplishment, you know, once you've, once you've done that, because it's a really hard sport. Like I don't care what anyone says, it's probably the hardest sport in the world, you know, getting up in the morning and getting punched in the head before you know you've had any breakfast is usually quite quite a hard thing to do but you've got to have that drive and you? you've got to have that self-control and and just just do it basically and it just you know it, it pays off you know you see people who are completely committed to the sport like Bucenic yesterday how much it meant to him to win that belt you know he's put everything into it that's that's the that's the days that we kind of live for isn't it you know once we've, we've done all the hard work and it, it kind of at the end of the day it, worked, it pays off Let's be careful with mentioning Jordan's world title win because I might start crying or get emotional because, again, being teammate and seeing what's gone on to that, it's a very, very powerful moment. But as to say, with, with again, we'll keep it on you, otherwise it'll become a Jordan show, and I'm trying not to do that. I'm trying to keep it, it's non-biased. Yeah. With all these things, again, this is where I think this is a good, really important for a lot of people to hear. And with your progression, your consistency is the real thing I'm after with this, with this question. Yeah. What gets you to the gym with when you don't want to get there? What is your why per se? My why, it, it, it is the fact that I just, I just want to be a very, very good professional fighter. Like I want to be the people, I want to be the person that people want to tune in and watch and just think like, well, you know, she's a normal girl. She just puts a lot of hard work in. She's good. You know, she, it, that's, that's all it is. Like I've always wanted to be not, not famous. Like I'm not asked about that. Like I don't want to be that, but I just want to be, known for for putting in the hard work and just being good at what what she is like I've always wanted to impress people with well not necessarily impress people I just always wanted to show people that I've I've got good talent like I've got good skills like even back in the day like I used to um compete for school no matter what it was it don't even matter it could have been rounders football basketball whatever 
And every time without sounding big-headed, I, I am going to sound big-headed, but I don't mean to. But every time I went somewhere and compete for school or compete, you know, for uh, teams I was on outside of school, there was like, she's good. Like, or like, look at her and, you know, people would come and speak to me after it. Or, you know, they would want, for one example, actually, my friend went to, to do um, trials for Manchester City girls and I didn't go at the time. I wasn't a City fan. I was a United fan, and I was like, "Fuck, I'm not, you know, I'm not playing for them." I did play for Manchester United girls as well. I was like, oh, "I'm not bothered." So I went there, and I was on the sideline, and um, I had a football with me. And she was playing, and the, the coaches were watching and whatever. And I there was like two bars, like big bars, on this fence, and I was curling the ball and getting it in between them each time, just on the sideline. And this guy came over to me, and I had like a bobby hat, and I was such a little boy when I was about fifteen. <laughs> And then he came over and he like startled me and I was like, oh shit, like maybe I shouldn't have been playing football on the yeah. sideline. And he was like, do you want trials for City? I was like, I went, oh. but I felt bad because obviously my friend was there to do that. And I was like, uh, yeah, all right then. <laughs> and then I went to it, uh, played a match with them and he was like, are you coming back? And I was like, nah. <laughs> so I, I just ruined my, ruined my football career at that moment when I said I'm not going back to City. But um, that's what I mean is that I've always even... You know, on the sidelines, I was, you know, impressing people with my, my skills. And that's all I want to do. I just want to be good at something. That's the best way to put it is that I just want to be good at something. I want people to appreciate, you know, what I've what I've put in there. And that is my why is just getting up every day, knowing that I'm going to get better if I keep going in. If I stay at home, I'm not getting better. If I stay at home, there's a girl in probably Czech Republic who's kicked the bag 350,000 times this morning. <laughs> and I've not. So it's like. I need to do that in order to, to get ahead of these these other girls. So that's my, my why I would say. Now, let, I... me, let me scratch the surface a bit more just on this one, because again, I'm going to get a bit Freudian with maybe a bit, I don't know, whatever else. Is it <laughs> is it more impressing the people you love and respect to help give them like, you know, this is what I'm capable of, or is it more the naysayers and the people who sort of thought, okay, maybe she isn't all that. Who's it, it more? It's, it's, it's everyone really it's myself as well it's you know I have this like you everyone has these battles in the head especially as a especially as a fighter because you're very much a perfectionist I think when you when you want to be good at this stuff and you go through absolutely everything and it's very natural to, like I said I've had a sports psychologist and it's very natural um to think about everything that can go wrong um and I do it you know and I think it's kind of healthy to do that because you can't be this you know rainbows and butterflies I'm going to go in there and everything's going to be absolutely perfect you know you need to think about these other things but he I remember him saying like what is pressure like what where is this pressure coming from and I always used to say like oh you know I, I don't want to lose in front of people but that's not what it was it was I I don't want to lose like I've always been a winner like even back in the day like I say I've always wanted to win I always wanted to everything like if it was competitive I want to win it like that's just that's just my personality. You know, we could be playing dodgeball as a warm up in the gym, and I don't want to get toga. I'm fucking, you know, doing diving rolls to get out of the way, <laughs> out of the way of the ball. Like it's it's not that. It's just that once I've got an idea and once I've got something that I'm passionate about. So obviously, you know, for the last seven years it's been MMA, six whatever. I can't remember. He's been MMA. He's like, I want to prove to myself that I'm good at this sport because I put everything into it. It's very easy to start having bad days and thinking, you know, say. For example, and I say this to my mum all the time, is that I'll, I'll be in the gym and I might have a sparring session where I'm like lightning fast, I, you know, I'm not getting hit. But then the next day I'm being taken down and getting, you know, elbowed in the head for the full round and it's like, I'm shit, but I'm not, 
you know what I mean it's it's one of those mm. battles so it's more for me is like I want to win and prove how good I am for myself because that's very comforting for me like when I there's nothing more that I like than winning and then everybody you know cheering and saying like how good it was I'm, I'm not that I've got an ego like I've lost before I've lost four times you know it, it's it's not the end of the world but it's like the best feeling in the world it's like the 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 biggest drug in the world is is to win I say and I get a massive dump after you know after I win it you know it comes falling back down and I've got to climb and get that again and it's that you know the grind that they call it it's it's like it's great it's just like a like this never-ending circle of winning back to the beginning winning back to the beginning and it's just it, it's addictive again there's so much in this no don't apologize just get comfy that's what i'm going to say you're going to be here a while that's fine <laughs> when it comes to facing the loss accepting it and and growing from it what is your process so say you lost your foot i'm not sure which one then i want the one imaf one cassandra yeah. i think her name was yeah decision like processing that, that kind of the loss again having the reputation you've had before for like you know always being taken as well oh you're going to win anyway no point competing you're already there you really want it like yeah. to, to have that to then lose how do you then face that and accept that again because it's so against the i don't know yeah. it's it's hard obviously like you you put a lot into it and you um and you're losing but like you say i was saying this yesterday someone's got to lose and it's not it's not like you want to lose it's you know it's, it's the last thing on you on your mind but you can't let that I think there's a fine line because you see a lot of people who lose and they're not bothered about it and I think that's quite a dangerous thing because then mm. you accept the fact that loss is is fine and I, I heard something on the radio actually yesterday and I just went mad I like to my mum we was driving I can't remember where we were driving to and some like advert came on the radio saying that we should um we should accept failure like a failure is our friend it said and I was like I don't know whether I agree with that no. I think that's a bit weird. I can understand what they're trying to say is that it's not, you know, it's not a bad thing. You can carry on, but I, I, I'm not one to say that if you fail, oh, no, it's absolutely fine. You know, just accept it. You've got to work on things. You know, you've got to, you've got to figure out what you, what you did wrong. And um, that's all I do is, so obviously I lost, uh, I rewatched the fight. Everybody, everybody who watched it, even Matt, like Matt's a very, very straight up person. If he told me that I did absolute shit, and there's a lot to work on, then I'd be like, fair enough, you know, I've got to work on this. But he even thought, he was like, I honestly thought you won, like, watching it. He had to watch it from home because obviously I was in Bahrain. Um, and it's just one of those things where I was like, right, I lost. I cannot dispute it. It's not coming off my record. That's it. And I see it as, so far, um, I feel like I've only lost once. It, in my head, like, you know, when you see people like, I'm undefeated, I'm undefeated in my head. I'm not, I'm not undefeated in my head, but I honestly feel that I've only lost once. And that was to Dakota because she, she played a very good game plan and she won, she, she won me fair and square. But the other three decision, you know, losses or split decisions, whatever they were, I, deep down, because I know I felt like I win, I won. It's like, I'll just carry on. I'm not, I'm not going to hold on to it. I can't change it. But everyone else thinks I've won. So it's like, go and watch it, you know. You might say my record is six and four, you know, six wins, four decision losses, but it doesn't mean anything, especially, you know, amateur. I think I'd probably address, you know, if I did lose at pro level, um, I would probably address it slightly differently because it's, you know, very much more detrimental to, to what my future would be. But it's it's one of those things, you just look at what you've, you've done wrong, pick out what you've also done right as well, because I think a lot of people, when they lose, they go, 
my god what did I do wrong but look at what you did right as well and then um, just fix it just just work on that so for example one of the one of the things um that was a was a common occurrence was because I'm I like to strike was they they got hold of me and they kept me against the fence so I you know I addressed that I was like right well I need to figure out how to get my ass off the fence basically and then um, that's what we've been doing obviously with Abdul as well because it's the same you know stature as me we've been doing a lot of um closed cage work and Matt's obviously put it into the, the training plan as well and we do a lot of like winner stays on the round so that that like wording is you want to be the mm. winner don't you? it's not like you want to win in sparring but because of these positional rounds is you don't you don't want to be the one that's constantly not on the wall because you keep you know losing you keep getting turned off and you, you're on there so that's what we do is we just kind of we break everything down like that and work on it or what I also do as well is um like I said if I'm been in a position that I'm not very good in I would make someone start in that position so I'd go like right well I'll start on the ball and I'll see if I can get off you know if you take me down tough I'm, I'm taking down but I want to start in that position so I have to physically get out and get that in my head so that's how we would we would accept I would accept uh, losses we wouldn't just dwell on it for you know weeks and then come back so with that answer there's the things I like about it but it sounds very much okay this is something I've learned and again the, the words are fantastic but again I think the weight behind is where the value really is and there's a few things with that is when I asked you earlier about the pro career being on the radar is that's where the perspective for these amateur losses really come into the conversation because again if you're training for an amateur career for an amateur career a loss in an amateur career is devastating if you're yeah. training for a pro career a loss in an amateur career is a pretty good thing because okay I got that out of the way early and this is yeah. why I like the way you're articulating certain things. Again, you're going about controllables and sort of stoic sort of principles. And again, we'll go into the psychologist in a minute, but it's just interesting the way you're articulating that more, more matter of fact than a very personal thing. And I like the way you've done that. And even little thing you said there, winner stays on that. Yes. Winning sparring is one thing, but again, it's, I want to win these rounds still. Ego is definitely in the radar. Everyone's got an ego. Let's say it's not, it's a hundred percent. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't challenge where you are to where you want to be if you didn't believe in yourself a bit more. Full stop. Yeah. Call it what you want. Call it ego. Call it anything you want. But it's why you are, what well, are where you are now versus where you were when you started. Yeah, and that's why I said there's a fine line, isn't there? You know, you can't be, you can't love it to a point where you're really not bothered if you lose because then what's the point? You know, it's it's a competition. Like people forget that it's a competition. It's not just a fight. You don't have to be a very angry person and want to kill someone to fight. It's 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 entertainment as well as you need to understand that like it's, it's entertainment you need to put on a show and you also want to win and there's a you know you've, you've got your perks to winning obviously you've, you've got money you've got all the other stuff you know getting the bigger fights and, and things like that and then um, that's it is like you say like Carl you know we obviously know Carl Tanswell is um obviously an amazing coach and he he very much works on that as well with saying that like, you want to be the guy who's winning the rounds in sparring because you need to spar the way you're going to fight. So, you you know, that's what I've tried to kind of work now is that I used to, inspiring was stay safe. Like, you know, imagine it's a fight, but imagine it against like a really aggressive opponent because the guys don't take it easy. You know, they, I'm a fighter at the end of the day. Like they think that they're not going to, you know, pussyfoot around me because I'm not going to learn anything. Um, so I used to be very like passive, like just kind of move my head, trying to get out of the way. But now I'm trying to win those rounds. Like I'm trying to, get in on the takedown and trying to, you know, hit on the break and, and win those little things. And that's just, I think that's just how it 
how it should be really not not necessarily ego i don't really know how to explain what it is because it's not like if i get hit i'm like oh what a dick like i can't believe i've been hit and it's, it's like a learning process isn't it but it's like the it's like a dress rehearsal before you know you have to go out and do it properly um so yeah that's that's my take on that <laughs> i like the term rehearsal though i like the way it's Again, I think that's a lot more poignant than I think you realise. Again, you've got quite a few of these. And the fact it's practising what you're already going to do, you're practising how it's going to feel. Again, dress rehearsal, even so much so you're trying to recreate the moment. Uh, so yeah. I, like, I like the intricacies of why that works. And again, that's really interesting. And when it came to the psychologist sort of side of things, there's a key thing with our sponsors, the English hypnotist, little plug there, about um, the language you use when you sort of describe certain things. Again, like pressures, anxieties, now you're excited, that kind of stuff. What was the real reason for you to take on a psychologist on board and what did you feel it really added to your game yeah I, I took it on because it's like I've got a mind that very much runs away with with my, myself like I can think about a million different things in in one thing and I think it's just because I've got quite an inquisitive mind and I'm quite imaginative so I feel like what I was doing was I was focusing so much on other people that I totally forgot about what I was capable of so um Actually, I think it might have been after the Dakota fight. I think, I think now it might have been right because then I think I went to went to Rome like three weeks after that, which I don't think I should have, and I, I lost again. Um, but it, what what happened was I knew obviously she. I mean, I hate talking about this fight because it's obviously in the past, but um, she was very much good. You know, she was a good striker. She she was a professional Muay Thai kickboxer. Um, so I focused more on the fact that she's either going to want to clinch me or she's she's going to try and like kick me or knee me so I focused so much on that that I completely forgot that I could hit her as well and mm. completely forgot that I could take her down and it was like in the second round I switched on and was like what the fuck am I doing so then I actually got her down in that round and and things like that. and then after that fight obviously it was a great fight it was actually it was one of those fights that everybody started to know who I was because it was like shit like that was a really good mm. fight and you know you're tough blah 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 but I thought to myself no that was terrible because I completely wasn't myself. I was more worried about what she's going to do than I didn't even get my game plan off. You know, I've worked really hard throughout this training, well, not training camp, but, you know, throughout the, the few weeks leading up to the fight to win the fight, and I didn't because I was more bothered about her. So he, he was very good with kind of getting to grips with that and, you know, the, the whole, like, cognitive dissonance and, and things like that and working on what I want to control, what I can control, should I say. And he was very much big on you know the whole venue stuff like the smells the temperature you know what it looks like what my workout's going to be everything like what your warm-up's going to be what you're going to do when you get in there like all those types of things and that massively helped because like I say I could use my mind positively then because your mind's a it's, a it's a brutal thing sometimes like you say you can you can talk yourself out of anything can't you so it's um it's one of those one of those tools that I thought was a massive thing because now like ever since then I'd get you know a fight booked and then I'd be thinking straight away but positively what I want to do like what the cage feels like you know the walking up there absolutely everything you know what the crowd would sound like and things so that's um that's why I got it it wasn't that I was felt like I was lacking in anything it was just that I wasn't using my brain in the correct way because it's still a mental a mental game more than it is a physical game so that's why I hired him for that it's again it's so hard to articulate that value because when you're you know doing the physical things you think okay if i just do x y and z i'm going to be fight ready no problem but again if you don't show up 
it's all well and good all the double legs you've been drilling, but if you don't think, oh shit, I don't deserve this or I'm not in a certain position to get X, Y, and Z. Yeah. It's, it's the very... Sorry, was you going to carry on then? Uh, just... It's just emphasising the point really, but yeah, carry on. Yeah, I think, like you say, it's a, the mental aspect of it is so big because I've figured this out as well with um, with my last fight is, and in fact, no, it was Cowboy Cerrone that made me realise this slight thing that I had in my head was he was saying that he's absolutely, he's not bothered about fighting. Fighting does not scare him. It's gassing out that scares him. That's the that's what he's terrified of. And that I resonate with that because when I'm in the back, I absolutely hate warming up, the, you know, hitting the pads. Mm. I hate like ask you could ask Matt like Matt is like you know hit this and I go right that's enough because I feel that if I start hitting the pads I'm gonna gas out and I'm gonna get in there and I'm not gonna be able to throw a punch that was my absolute like fear but then Matt was like that isn't true he said you're not gonna gas out hitting pads he's like you need to switch it on by hit you know it's that it's that clicking your brain so if I'm just tapping pads and I'm just moving I'm not getting my head into that game of I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna hit someone hard, you know, in the next, you know, 10, 15 minutes. I need to get them them punches going like aggressive. I need to get that that mood switched on in my in my head. And that's very true because I figured out that I kind of not weather the storm in the first round, I kind of a little bit slower in the first round because I'm thinking about, you know, I don't want to gas out, you know, these three rounds or these five rounds, because obviously I got the, the championship belt on Budo. So my other fights were five rounds and then, but then I would turn it around in the next round and I would beat them. But it's like, I need to be switched on from the, from the off. So that's another thing that's been into my, you know, my mental, my mental game now is Matt's very good with that because he gets us to spar very early in the morning. So it's like, you need to switch on. So it's almost like you get in there and we're sparring and I find it hard because like I say, I need to be switched on, but then that's helped me massively as well. So it's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of stuff involved in, in training and, and fighting that you don't actually realize until something clicks with you see part of me likes the early morning sparring get in get it done for a practical point of view but fight show fight simulation i can't remember i think it's harry hardwick told me this like they do a thing where they have a sparring session but what they'll do sometimes they'll keep it so fight simulation they'll just sort of leave you in a room for ages and then not talk to you and then just go, you're fighting in five minutes. Like just get in the cage. That's sort of again, as much as getting in, getting switched on is fantastic. I can't help but feel that fight shows don't have the same kind of luxury. It's not as organ not organized, yeah. but you know, don't get quite the <laughs> it is crazy. Like the, the I feel like I've I've been although I've only had 10 amateur fights, it's a lot more than some people have before they turn pro. And I feel like my experiences have have come like a long way because going abroad as well to fight at a young age, you know. It's, it's it's like detrimental, I think, because you're out of your comfort zone completely. You don't know, like, the, one of the things that was adds to it, what people don't understand is your food. When you're over there, you're in a foreign country. You're not getting, you're not going to Alda and getting what you usually do, you know, on fight week or you usually do before fight off or refueling. You know, that's an added, added thing to add on to there. And the heat, like the heat difference. I live in Manchester. It's freezing all the time. It's, it's raining. And next minute I'm in 40 degree heat in Bahrain trying to figure out where I can get some tuna from, you know, it's like, it's, they're, they're really good experiences. Like say you, it's, everything's different. And then you're getting put in a room with like 50 other fighters warming up and it's sweaty, it's gross. The next minute the guy runs in and go, right, you're on. And you think I'm on now, but you've not even, and then you, you're running out, you know, up the, up the little ramp onto the thing to go and fight. And there was one instance that happened in, in Rome at the European championships was 
the work, the workout room, uh, well, the warm up room was absolutely boiling. No doors were open. It was it was June, I think it was in Rome, which was so it's scalding outside. It's absolutely boiling, and people were fainting. People were passing out, and I was hitting pads. And like I said, I'm I'm I was nervous of getting fatigued, but I was absolutely I could barely lift my arms up. I was like, this is so hot. Like I'd, I felt like I was in an oven. And then I went out and that fight, I lost a decision, which I also thought, again, like a one, but, you know, there's no point saying that. Mm. But that makes a massive difference. So it's like, I should have done something slightly different on that. I should have, you know, gone outside or I should have told somebody that it's way too hot in that room. You know, it's, it's taking responsibility for your, you know, for your safety as well, because they clearly didn't, you know, they didn't think about it. But like I say, then, them things have helped me in my career now because I've already experienced the weird workout rooms, the flying to somewhere else, the not knowing what your weight's like, living off rice cakes for the week because you think you're going to be overweight and and things like that. So that, you know, it's like I've already done it. So when I do have to fly somewhere, you know, to to fight, it's like I've I've done that before. I've been in that position, so it should be shouldn't be as scary. <laughs> the fish and the rice cakes i mean that's always the fire diet as a rule speak of um mindset in um manchester area got mr um girl stapes his thing i swear by is still um experiences and experiences very different things and again if you got your tangible experience that when i was in x y and z i can remember how i dealt with that what the influence i had and then you can then adapt that and so on and so forth and i love that and I like yeah. the way you're sort of saying, okay, yes, this happened here, but I need to learn if I'm in a similar position, I need to make sure I'm the one proactively changing this. Otherwise it's going to be the same kind of result. May not yeah. be the fight verbatim as such, but again, it's very much so. This is inconvenient. This caused a problem. Now I know to change it next time. And that's yeah. invaluable. Um, yeah. Again, there's so much in this. One question I've got for you, do you journal at all when you're having these kind of like, I don't know, your mind's going down rabbit holes of things you're doubting, things you're concerned about. Do you note that down at all? I, I used to, um, but I am a little bit lazy with that type of stuff as well because I kind of either forget I wrote it down or I just forget to write it down. But I do what I do is when I hear certain things that I, like I resonate with or not necessarily quotes, but just what certain people have said, like I'll just write it down and then I'll go back to it. And like my mum said something, the other, this was about a month ago actually, and she was saying like um, the people that say something's impossible aren't willing to try and do it. And I was like, oh, I like that. So like I wrote it down and I was reading. Yeah, I, I do try and read um, quite a lot of books, not like these self-help books. I do agree with them and I do like them, but I don't want somebody else to kind of tell me how to how to live my life. I need to figure it out. Like, mm-hmm. a, like I say with the experiences and you find out what works and what doesn't. And and um, one of the, the books was Ollie Ollerton, Breakpoint book. And there was certain things that he said in there and he was saying like to embrace um pain like not pain but to embrace the fact that you you know you're feeling pain like in in the gym like you've been in a bad position and to embrace that like it's it's a good feeling knowing that you know you can get out of that situation and next time you know what it feels like you're going to get out of that you're going to avoid that situation so i do i don't necessarily journal and write things down like how i feel and things like that but i mean i probably should um but i do write things down that i feel that kind of boost me or you know I, I resonate with like little short things I've, my my attention span sometimes <laughs> I don't really like reading long books but I'll take stuff out of it if that makes sense that I want. definitely and again I like that a lot because I, I keep saying that because I do and the reason why this specific thing resonates with me 
is reading all these books, doing all this sort of stuff. Again, it's a lot of a lot of me trying to lean it out. Again, what are you taking from this? Why do you need to know the intricacies about Ollie Lutton's like monkey trauma, which is a very strange part of the book? I keep talking about it. it's very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a good book, but I, I don't, him getting stabbed by monkeys a bit strange. But anyway, I think he's just saying, isn't he, that you, you you've got there's got to be a time in your life that like you almost like people are forged in fire. I think what I got from it is that he had this traumatic experience and he got himself out of it. Like you know, instead of he could have just accepted that this monkey's just going to rip his throat out. He's only a tiny kid and he could have just frozen. He's, I think what he's getting at is fight or flight, isn't it? Really? Yeah, exactly I, I think, I think it's just a different way of putting it. And some people need to hear it in, in a different way. And, um, and I think that's what it is. I think fight or flight is a massive thing in, in MMA. I think a lot of people think they're a fighter until it gets rough and next minute like they're, they're curled up and they, they give up. And sometimes yeah, they could be very seriously hurt. But I've been in, in fights where I could have easily give up, you know, and no one would have known, only myself. And I've had this conversation from Matt is that I would never, I couldn't ever give up because it would be me that would know. And that would just kill, that would like eat away at me. I'd hate that. Like going back to the Dakota fight, I got hit in the first round with some of the worst knees I've ever felt in my life. I genuinely thought, fucking hell, I'm, I'm going to have internal bleeding. <laughs> and then I was against the fence and I thought, shit, like I can't even breathe. And then her mum was there, like her mum's a coach. And she went, she's done, she's done. And I was like, no, I'm not. Because <laughs> I thought, you know, it's like type of fight or flight. Like I could have easily gone, oh, I dropped down and people have gone, oh, it's all right, you know. Fuck that. I, I don't want that. Like I said, I, I'm the only one that would know I've gone, yeah, I'm bowing out. So it's that fight or flight thing. I think it's it's within you. Like Saul Rogers, I don't know whether you're following, he put on about yep. people people have this fighter in them, like it's born, it's it's there. And I, I agree with that. I think it's, you've either got it or you haven't. And some people, like you say, some some fighters are, might have come from like a jujitsu background and always want to, you know, get on the floor and tie them up and things like that. But when they get dragged through a fight, it's like, are they going to, are they going to last? Or, you know, is, is this girl going to last? And you see with um, Ashley Yoder and Angela Hill, did you watch that fight? Mm, yeah, so like, I'm, not yeah. saying, I'm not saying that Yoder isn't a fighter, but what I'm saying is, there's a, there's a difference between like you could hit Angela and she'll fucking run at you and she'll still want to stay in there. Whereas Yoda kept turning away and, you know, almost like shying away from it and survived. And he's like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I want to be, you know, you've got to keep that fight going instead of wanting to run away. So don't really know where I'm going with that. But <laughs> no, but again, there's a few points with that I want to sort of note out because again, you'll get people who are martial artists you get people who are athletes people who are fighters and so on and so forth that's their kind of their version of their their craft and again that's even a very lump sum kind of thing because there's different elements of certain things and again it's a very weird one to try and explain that there are some shots you'll take and you'll eat them like they're breakfast there's some shots you'll take and god i'm gonna just die this is this the worst thing's ever happened to anyone ever but there's something in between and then there's that weird bit in your own internally where you're like okay this is where I'm fine. I'm okay. And again, it's that gauging point where I, that should have dropped me. That should have done this, that, and the other, but I'm tougher than that. But on the yeah. other side, I could have eaten that shot, but now I'm already out on the canvas. And it's yeah. understanding your boiling point of your limits and your restrictions. And any point I'm wrong, feel free to jump in. But again, with this, I like the way you're I don't know, explaining that point you're getting to. And this is why people who compete, people who put themselves on that platform, where you said something about, if people who say things are impossible aren't willing to try it in the same vein that 
these are only dreams until you go after them in the same vein, you know. You going pro sounds crazy until you're actually pro and you've done it and like, oh shit, look, she actually, she actually did it. Like, yeah. Again, this is why I like this conversation. It's why I like the way you're explaining the different perspectives of your development, different perspectives of your management of these things. And again, from someone else who ever thinks everything has ever existed. I like the way you're explaining how you're managing that. And again, yourself now on the sofa talking about this with me versus you with a fight coming up two weeks out thinking shit, 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 shit. Have I done enough? It's a very different person. But again, at least when you're in a rational sense of mind, you know, you've got your red screwed on still. Yeah. And like you you said, like these are balances, isn't there? You can't be... And this is where you see different types of fighters. So you can have the very aggressive fighter who will go out and nine times out of ten he'll win on that. But then all of a sudden you get a calm fighter who can kind of, you know almost like you know mesmerize the bull and kind of calm like not calm down but like kind of figure it out and the next minute he's the one on his back because he's been the more you know calm fighter and then you've got obviously the ones who are too calm who come up against somebody who you know figures them out like that or the one that just wants to take it to the floor that type of thing you need to have I think a full range of that and I think that's what counts as a mixed martial artist is obviously you've got to have the aggression first because you know you need to be aggressive at some points you need to have the the calmness as well because you need to be calm under pressure. You obviously need to have the killer instinct and all the other things mixed together. I'm not just saying that, you know, jujitsu fighters aren't a good fighter. I'm not saying that at all. But if they have everything together and that's their game plan to take to the floor, then then fair enough. But I think if you if you lack one of those things or two of those things, then somebody will find that out, you know, eventually. And that's what I want to work on is obviously balancing that being a, a full mixed martial artist, not I'm coming in, I'm angry, I just want to fight or I just want to grab hold of this guy, I don't want to get a hit. Like, I want to embrace absolutely everything, you know, that's that's going on. And I think you see that, like you say, with I love watching Valentina Shevchenko because I feel she's got an absolute balance of everything. You know, she's got a great IQ, the striking's amazing. You think, oh shit, she's going to level me, but next minute she's like suplexed you onto your head and then she's armbarring there and it's like, how do you work those people out? So that's um, that's what I mean by, you know, the, the fighter instinct and the, the martial artist and everything has to be together. It's not like one or the or the other. I personally think anyway, which is what I'm working on. I mean, that is the whole knowledge versus application though, isn't it? Because you can get people who are quote unquote technical, which I used to try and use that nice little umbrella, which it wasn't the same thing. And again, versus applying certain things. Because again, you get people like Gaethje, for example, with um, controlled chaos, where it's, yes, it's wild, just as aggressive, but again, it's thought out to an extent. Yeah. but again he says it's thought out it's his business but again it's this understanding how you can apply your style and what works for you because again if you're long like a wonder boy thompson for example he's very methodical very much a fighter but in the same very sort of counter fight very long very rangy very technical and again it's not so much coming forward and trying to take your head off but again if you're at the wrong angle he's still going to not hesitate to you know sleep you but the the point with this is none of these are wrong none of these are better than the other but again it's that whole not even a chess match is very much some things work, some things don't. There's no consistent theme as to which one works when. <laughs> that's kind of the best part, I think. I think that's why they say, don't these like styles make fights? Because that's why MMA maths doesn't make sense. Because like that guy beat that guy, but that guy just went and beat that guy. And he's, it's like <laughs> there's so many different avenues that they, that it takes, and that's why it's it's super hard, isn't it? Like in the rankings to kind of figure out who should be fighting who because. You could, you know, the championship would change hands all the time, wouldn't it? You know, because styles change, they make fights. So, yeah, I just, I just think being that all-round 
like Michael Chandler, for example, he's, I think he's a very all-round person. I think that the people who are good champions are the all-round fighters, like not necessarily the ones that are, you know, for example, just a striker or just a, just a grappler like they're all like Khabib. Everybody sleeps on his, his striking, yet he dropped McGregor. You know, he, he fucking pressured Gaethje. He, he's got everything in that arsenal. But like I said, if he's got everything, he can work one thing that he wants. Everyone knows he wants to take you down. But if you, if you keep thinking he wants to take you down, he's going to, you know, try and take your head off at the same time. So I just I just love that all-around fighter type type feel. And and that's exactly the point. And this is why when people say about Khabib striking, saying his striking works the well it, how well it does, people fear his takedown so much. That level change, those fakes have got so much more weight because you're so scared. And yeah. I love that as well. Um, just a few questions to sort of leave you on. These are ones I'm going to sort of roll out to everyone, at least competitors like yourself, to try and get an insight in, in yourself. Mm-hmm. Here's a scenario. You're warming up for your next fight. And in walks you from after the fight. You're seeing yourself warm up, seeing yourself panicking, what do you say to yourself before you make the walk to keep you in a good headspace? I would say, and this is what I've said before, is you've chose to be there. So I think that's what people need to understand. And I've said that to some people in the back room as well, is that, you know, when I've seen people a little bit like wide-eyed, you know, especially if they're having the debut or maybe not even having the debut, but they're a bit wide-eyed, but like, just remember, like, you wanted to be here, you've trained, you've, this is what, the end result is like this is you know what this is what you train for because there's a lot of people who are panicking in the back room and think shit I don't want to do it then you need to you know have a good word with yourself and realize is it something that you do want to do so I think that's what I'd be saying what I would say is you've this is what you've wanted nobody's forced you to be here you've got to you know get in gear and get get going basically fantastic um this one's a bit of a fun one so post win belt around your waist what's on your delivery order what's in your shopping cart what are you talking it's usually it's it's quite funny i absolutely i'm such a starver like leading up to the fight like i think about i have such a bad relationship with food on the the week of the fight thinking i'm gonna eat this i'm gonna eat that i'm gonna eat that but then once i've won it's just that's enough like i don't even i ordered my last fight and i'm not my last fight there was one fight that i had near christmas time and pete um papa john's had a christmas dinner pizza and I, would, that, I was obsessing about it. I was like, I, I need to get it. And I got it and I didn't eat it. Oh. I didn't eat a bit of it. I don't eat after the fight. Like it, it takes me like a day to get over the fact that I've, I've won and, you know, the adrenaline comes back down and I'm back to, to normal. Like I get it. I'm like, yeah. And then I go, oh, nah, I don't want it. <laughs> but I'd eat something sweet. Like I'd probably have like a um, cookie dough or something like that. That'll, that helps me. Take the edge off. But <laughs> yeah. again, it's one of them ones. It's sort of adrenaline dump, everything else that's got into it. Because that moment is so pivotal regardless of result it's everything that's been invested in it again it's like there's there's no way of perceiving at that point it's just like yeah and the next day i'll probably eat everything inside so uh last question for you day one beginner walks in the gym they see you see what you've achieved so far and what you're going to achieve what is they say what can i do to you know get as far as i can get what is the the soundbite reference point rule of thumb you give them to go on along with I'd probably say do it for you because at first I was I was training to like I said impress other people and make sure that I look good in front of people whereas now I do it fully for myself and that's what I would say is go if you're enjoying it keep going stay consistent if you're only doing it to you know look hard or impress others it's not going to be the thing that you you're going to want to do you want to get up every day like it's the best job of your life you love it you want to go there and if you don't want to do it anymore then just don't force yourself because you won't put everything 
everything that you want into it. Fantastic. Love that. And before we let people go, where can people find you on social media? Um, so Instagram, I don't really use Facebook anymore. So it's at steedmma underscore on the end. Cool. Any sponsors you want to shout out? Um, yes, yeah, so I've, I've got a few actually. So I've got XS Guard, uh, my mouth guards. I've got CH Productions, Connor Halliday, um, CBD Life, Total Sports Rehab, George Holland and Hard Life Fightwear. And also um, PH for you as well, Alkaline Water. So all of those guys, thank you very much for the help. And be sure to check out our podcast sponsor, The English Hypnotist. Again, we're speaking about this now, about psychology and how it can really affect everything you do. Definitely worth a conversation with Richard Hart, top boy. Helps support the podcast. And again, when it comes to sponsors, regardless if it's mine, other fighters like Levi's, if you support the sp- their sponsors, they can see they can support fighters and make it financially viable. Well, be it if it's placing orders, if it's likes, shares, this, that, and if show engagement, Again, it makes the world a difference. It all adds up. Um, be sure to check out Fisticuffs underscore podcast on all, pub, all streaming platforms or social media platforms. Rash guards and shorts are in. We've got new shorts on the way, hybrid ones. So, you know, keep an eye out and stay safe and keep growing.